Welcome, world, to the season three premiere of Nobody's a Nobody podcast with me, Mike McVeigh. This is the podcast where I interview people that I find absolutely fascinating and believe you will too if you give them a chance. This season will be a little different. My goal is to bring you a new person every other week between now and April. For the in-between weeks, I will revisit interviews from season one and see how the person is doing over the past couple of years. Sometime during the season, we'll be hearing from our season one friends, including Dave Ross, Kimberly Manning, Holly Stewart, Rob Trotter, and next week, Lorette Lynn. This season, we will be talking to more people involved in entertainment, including the band Shift, as they are trying to break out. Pallas Johnson, an actress of voice, theater, and improv, and Carlisle King, a military vet who has a lot to say about how we treat the disabled. All of this is but a sample for what is coming. At the time of this show going up, I will have completed the five base levels classes for OKC Improv. Improv has been so many things to me in the past year. I am thankful for the community and the friends it has provided. If you have a teenager and want to help them build their confidence, the next round of teen classes is starting October 1st. But maybe you want to build your confidence or grab some of the limelight your life has been missing lately. Adult classes are starting September 26th. You can sign up now for an early bird discount at okcimprov.com. Tell them Mike McVeigh sent you. For the this premiere episode, I am pleased to announce that we have a movie director, actor, writer, uh, Second City alum, improviser, and all-around decent guy, Jimmy Carlson, who is our guest. He does his interview like he does his improv. He takes a suggestion and he goes all in with all of it entertaining. I love the energy he brings to this interview, and I think you'll see the fun that we've had together. So ladies and gentlemen... Jimmy Carlson. First of all, um, do you go? Do you prefer going by Jim or Jimmy? Uh, you know, that's these days. That's a these are quite Jimmy's fine. That's good. Okay. Well, I've tried to stalk your career online, and it seems it's like it's equally Jim and Jimmy. Um, <laughs> it, it, it started off as Jim, but then as I was joining the unions, I had to make an all-around like branding moment question like the guy that wrote all the original Battlestar Galacticas were right. Carlson so as I was joining SAG and Actors Equity I'm like well someday I'm going to join the WGA so I'll just grab it as Jimmy and like the, the first movie I ever did the producer put me in on IMDB as Jim and I'm like no and I, I've been unable to undo that move so everything been screwed up after that so it's been frustrating like uh, and at some point, people that think that, I mean, where I'm from, which is like here, you get Jim or Jimmy is interchangeable. Like where some people are like, no, no, it's what am I? It's not a different name, right? But sometimes people don't prefer to be called something different. Like I generally like being called Mike as opposed to Michael, just because sure. my well, dad I'd like to be called James. I won't answer to James. <laughs> right out. Like, I can't do it. There's two people in the history of my life that have been able to say Jimbo in a way. I'm like, okay, I'll answer that. But most people are like, absolutely not. That sounds terrible. Uh, and James, I just, it was never one of those. Uh, but Jim or Jimmy is fine. And then we can do like Jimmer? No. No, no, no. Uh, that, that's my family. <laughs> and that's like it. And oh, okay. Do it, and that's like it. Uh, I stop. You ever, like, I don't know about when you were a kid, but when I was like, you have a moment where you, you declare to the family things about yourself. And mm -hmm. Usually around like 12, where you start hitting your independence, something like that. And uh, I was like, I'm not Jimmer anymore. <laughs> it was so a big you, it was an announcement at dinner. So uh, you once were Jimmer, though, apparently. Sure. I mean, as, as a nickname, yeah, sometimes. I've been just still watching. I'm with, still, I'm with some, some fan, some couple cousins still. <laughs> I've been watching some old uh, draft videos for the NBA and there was talking about Jimmer Fredette. That's the only reason why I oh, came to mind. That dude and... was in uh, ESPN highlights for like month. when he was in college, he mm -hmm. was, he was on fire. And then what happened to him? I don't know. He just didn't make it. He didn't do uh, it. <laughs> that's why he has to stick with Jim or Jimmy. It, yeah. it's, it's better professionally. Uh, sure. So we met, Obviously, uh, Oklahoma City Improv, you were coming in to do a show with The Swamp, which is uh, you, uh, Kate, and Arch. Um, 
all Second City veterans and stuff. And for Oklahoma City, I think we all like probably give you guys way too much attention. Like, oh my goodness, they're from Second City. You guys are the greatest ever. And you guys are like, oh crap, what these guys again? <laughs> well, I mean, I like the fact that it makes us get houses. Like, <laughs> if, it, if that means something to you guys enough that you show up, like, great. Like, it, it's, it, it, I mean, it, it in, well, when I was starting out, it would have been a big deal too, but having, you know, lived it for a while, it, right. you know, any, the, the extraordinary becomes normal. Like the, and that, that, I think that happens at where it's, it, it is, uh, the enthusiasm for improv and OKC improv is, is great because you guys are all hungry for it. So, uh, you know, unless you guys show up to the show, so we're not performing to two people, which is as people that all just moved to Oklahoma we could easily just be performing to two people. So right. I'm, you know, right. I'm happy that, that you guys find that resume part exciting enough that you show up and then we get to meet new friends faster. I mean, it has been very helpful for that for sure. Yeah. I guess one of the things that's always kind of crazy and I, I did a lot of stuff in the music business um, where like roadie grunt work kind of stuff. And really? um, I was like, fortunate enough to, huh? For who? Like uh, Mississippi stage sound and lighting. It was just oh. a, like a smaller thing down there. It was pretty big because, uh, you didn't tour with Skinner. You were no, like, no, no. you didn't have like a particular band. I never got up high enough in the ranks. Um, one of the other guys, he, every year BB King actually hired um, our company to do his Southern tour where he would do all the shows for free for the people of the South. Um, I was never on that one. I was always on the other group, uh, with the bands that, they're like, we don't even know if they're going to make. So just, you know, <laughs> uh, and I, I always had the experience of getting to meet these people who I, I knew in music. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're so cool. You're so cool. And um, finally, my boss just kind of put me to the side. He's like, they're just human beings. I'm like, but they play much better than me. They're, they're these, these rock gods. And um, he's like, they're just human beings. They're good at that particular job. They're really good at it. And right. It's the idea of like, you know, the, the, the more you idolize someone, the more you're going to get let down. Chances mm -hmm. are. Right. And uh, I think so when you guys came there in. There are some there, people are like, wow, they're even better than I thought. <laughs> those, those guys are rare. Uh, right. Well, but, then when you guys came into Oklahoma City, it was um, just the humility that all of, all of you've shown um, has just made it even better. Because it's like, I remember um, Philip talking to you like, well, I don't want to brag, but I'm in this troop. And I'm like, dude, brag, he's going to, he understands more than anybody else. He's been, <laughs> I told you, you know, like it was, I mean, I grew up as a, I mean, I grew up in the Chicagoland area and was just a, a, a fan of second city from the time I was 15. First time we like went to a show was at age 15 there. And, you know, I grew up, I grew up a fan of Monty Python and, and Saturday Night Live and all that stuff. And then when I actually went to a Second City show, which was live, and live comedies, when done well, is always better than it is on TV or movies. Right. It's just more exciting. And plus, it could be dirtier, and it was it like, or at least it was like more edgy. So they, they took more chances because it was on. And I remember at age 15 going, this is even better than SNL. This is amazing. And, and uh, so then it became like, how the heck do I go work there? became you know a goal like once i did all the pictures of all the famous people that work there up in the because they've got on a you know on the stairs leading up to the theater in the hallway there's like half of america of the history of american comedy is in that building like right. you know and it, it's 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 amazing to look at so you're having to work hard to get to that and then there's like anything there's steps to go through so i totally remembered what it was like you know first time I got on stage at the improv jam at, which is like a just get up and play at IO or the first time um you know I got put on a team in level one at, at IO so it was a different time uh you that could happen um then and it, it stopped being possible to happen like a couple of years later but like that was a big deal and I remember you know in that moment uh the, the guys that ended up being put on teams in level two or three were all like, oh, you made it. <laughs> it, was like, it was, I mean, I totally remember, like, it, it felt like the Goodfellas. You know, <laughs> he was like, he's getting made. Like, they're opening up the books and it felt exciting. So I totally remember those moments. So I forgot who said that to me that, 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 that came up. But I mean, it's, 
nobody goes through this like I mean, some people fly through without any without any struggle, but I mean, you ask, I mean, anything in comedy, it it's it's hard, and the little milestones are exciting. They're they right. you know they're, they're they're you know they're to be celebrated at, at any level, and you know unless you're a jerk. By the way, there is there swearing on your podcast. I you can do whatever you want, and I'll you're a dick. You know, you know, it, it, it's it, it, you don't you don't recognize the journey of everyone else, but like even in stand-up comedy, you see the higher-up stand-ups still having like reverence isn't the right word, but like respect for the young up-and-comers who just bombed, and they're like, "Good for you! You just had a crappy set. That's part of the growth." Like there's right. a there's an embracing of that, and I think that that does exist, you know, improv for sure. Uh, and coming here, I mean. How can you not? Have, I mean, you're you're brand new to the state, so it's to be welcomed in. It that is a humbling experience. Like it's it's at least like oh thank God. I mean there there's some the fears of moving here, and most of it was not was like social. Like how the heck are we going to meet people and to be embraced? It's like a oh good. Well, you know it's it's a you know anytime you move cities is a is a potentially scary situation. Right. So. I mean, it's much appreciate, appreciated that there are good, nice people that are that are here that immediately are excited that we're here. Uh, everybody, I mean, that's best case scenario. Anytime you move to America. right, right, someone excited that you're there, that's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. yeah i I've gotten the pleasure to move around a couple different times, and I think you guys have definitely got a nicer reception than I did when I moved to either uh, Eastern Pennsylvania or Western Pennsylvania or Jackson, Mississippi. So <laughs> it, it, it's, I don't know. I, I got a, I got a chicken fried steak in Jackson and, and, and you know, I pulled off on the way back from New Orleans once. So that's right. my, I'm in Jackson, Eastern Pennsylvania. Was it Philly? Where was it? I, I said Eastern, I meant Western. Um, it was about um hour Southwest of Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. My cousin lives in Pittsburgh. So it's like, I mean, he, you know, he moved to Pittsburgh too. It's like, what? I mean, it's, <laughs> once you bring in something exciting to the table, sometimes it's tough to be. It was a small town. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even when we moved out closer to Pittsburgh and stuff, it's uh, just, I grew up here in the South Central United States, Dallas and Oklahoma City. So the cultural differences were probably the ones that, made it more difficult i mean you're coming from one of the friendlier areas <laughs> yeah yeah like we were struck at how friendly uh just our reception even by our neighbors were like let alone like forget about okc improv which was very friendly right i i, I think we had a, a a test to pass at okc improv which was are you guys going to be know-it-all jerks coming in <laughs> and when we proved ourselves to not be you know, to just be thankful that you guys had, that OKC Improv had built something that we, you know, that had survived for years. It, 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 hey, that's impressive. Doing any kind of theater and having it last for years. I, I did theater in Chicago for over, you know, 15 years and, and have, to have a theater last, that's a big deal. Like a few, the ones you've heard of are the ones that last. Right. There are hundreds that didn't last, that all folded, that did, you know, that just didn't do. So it's impressive to have a theater last, especially in a city with the population the size of Oklahoma City. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it's a small city. I mean, it's it, it's it's not Chicago, which has got in the greater metropolitan area what five million people, something like right. that. New York, which has got like twelve million. I don't. know. I'm making up numbers, but it's. It, you know, it's it's impressive to have a theater, you know, happen in a city this size. So, so the reception even by our neighbors, I'm, I'm all over the place, Mike. That's what you got to deal with here. Uh, even our neighbors here, they were so friendly. Mm-hmm. Never have I moved to anywhere. I mean, granted, I was born in New York, then lived in Chicago. I went to I went to college at Iowa, which was closer in attitude. Right. Like, and yeah, freshman year of college, everybody like, you know, tries to get to know each other real fast. But then after that, no one cares if you're new necessarily. 
And then back to Chicago, my, most of my adult life till we went to LA for 10 years. So Oklahoma, no one cared that we moved to any of those places. <laughs> Where we should, no neighbors knocked on my door with a basket of cheese and, 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 and wine to be like, welcome to the neighborhood. Right. I mean, that, that, that never, that never happened until like we got here and we had several neighbors come up and, and knock on the door and, and say hi and, and right. get to know them. And so for you going to, you know, you know, outside of Pittsburgh, I mean, it's not quite East coast, but it's not quite Midwest over there. Like right. it's an attitude. Yeah. You're not welcome necessarily. Oh, like yeah. here, yeah. I mean, it is a friendlier, this is a friendly state for sure. Especially or at least where we've been. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause of Western Pennsylvania, um, we'd knock on someone's door and, um, you know, you'd almost hear like a gun get clicked in behind, <laughs> uh, just because of the mindset of people don't go and say hi to their neighbors and stuff. And, um, where we lived was a lot of mining housing. So it was really interesting of how unimportant yards were, whereas in Oklahoma and Texas specifically yards are like the pinnacle of showing how important you are the bigger your yard is the more yard care you have to do that's when you know you kind of hit it allegedly <laughs> i have to do i've got a bigger yard here than i ever <laughs> ever had in my life and what that means is my saturday mornings are long <laughs> amounts of i mean i'm getting up at five in order to mow the lawn just as the sun is coming up yeah so that i'm not dying in the heat i mean what it means is like you got a lot of work to do i don't know if it's a political of yeah you know, well, how big a person you are but like how much you're gonna sweat on saturdays well some of those people that, that hire someone else to do it for them but just the idea that like do you have a writing lawnmower or are you still doing no, a push I, I got it i got it okay. about an electric push so okay. uh, i mean it's self-propelled i'm not <laughs> no, i'm not you know, actually push i'm walking along with this thing Right. Well, in, in the area where you live, um, I can I can see the riding lawnmower would be kind of ineffective in your backyard. Your front yard maybe would be okay, but it'd, it'd be kind of difficult. A little hilly back and stuff. I yeah. feel like it would tip over, I guess. <laughs> um, trying to explain people um, buy riding lawnmowers for their own home out in other states. They're just like, why would you need a riding lawnmower? Um, <laughs> you know, why how could you have a yard that big? That means like you must be able to have four or five houses on that property. And I'm like, that's a little bit different down there. Um, <laughs> the some people, some people in, in, in some, live in a suburb of Chicago, some people had riding lawnmowers, but not a lot. I mean, as a kid, that's how, you know, I didn't have a real job. I mowed lawns for, you know, right. where I don't know if kids do that anymore. Like mm -hmm. I don't see any kids out here mowing the lawn in my neighborhood. I'm like, where? And I definitely didn't in California at all. It was like everyone was hiring someone. I'm like, why? What the heck? Well, um, uh, I think most of them are now becoming. They're they've grown up into the business, so they're <laughs> they're not kids anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that does our lawn, he, um, I think he's been doing it for like thirty years. And <laughs> well, good for you, Mike. You got something on your lawn. You made it. <laughs> yes, uh, I think I would love to have all pavement, no no lawn at all. <laughs> not me. Not me. I, I live in Chicago long enough. That's all pavement. I'm like that. I love having a yard. It's awesome. So I'm going to move the conversation just a little bit. Not because I don't enjoy this. Uh, I could definitely talk about lawns. For, you did talk about rookie lawn care. Well, I thought there's a chance that grass might come up. I just didn't think it'd be this kind of grass. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so how did, did you always want to become like an actor? Um, I know you said you grew up in Chicago. Did you want to be up on Second City stage, or was that just something that kind of happened because? I, I think I think I did, but I also didn't know it was something that was possible. I think, like when I went to, when I actually started doing it for real professionally in Chicago, or and then then later when we moved to LA, it dawned on me that there were people that understood that show business was a job you could do. Uh, that was not at all like I loved I mean I loved like even as a little kid sneaking sneaking down to watch Monty Python was on um, mm -hmm. Channel 11 was the was the PBS station uh, growing up in Chicago and I, I feel like Python was on 
was either Sunday or Saturday nights, like late. It was like like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. Like when I, I would sneak down to the basement to watch Monty mm-hmm. Python um, one of those two nights. That and that and growing up watching SNL and and just loving that stuff so much. But I I didn't know that you could do that. You know that that to have that as a thing, like a job. I didn't think no, that was a job. That was just like being on TV wasn't something that. I didn't grow up. I mean, my dad was a banker and my mom was a teacher. So it wasn't a thing that like, I, we knew how to like, that wasn't a thing that I'm the first person in my family to be show business at all. Like there wasn't any of that. I mean, extended family. So it was, there was no, and I believe the first person in the arts in, in my family, there was no, there's no history for it. So it wasn't until I was in college or, or, or right out of high school and a friend, a buddy of mine who also, we, I mean, we used to sneak into Chicago to go, similar thing, there's a lot of sneaking around. Like when, once we could drive, we would sneak into Chicago and then at Second City, you always had, they had the improv sets, which were free. So as high school students, we would sneak in with little, our own booze and smoke cigarettes at the stage and watch the improv sets from like 16 miles. And I didn't, I didn't realize like that that was a job you could do until he signed up. He's like, yeah, they te- they're, they're, they're teaching classes. I'm like, you could learn how to do this. <laughs> once, once that happened, then it's all I wanted to do. Then it, then it was like, okay, I want to, I want to figure out how to work here. And after I took my very first couple of, uh, the, the second city had the training center and then the conservatory. It's like a two year program to do both. And as I was in the middle of the training center, I, I turned to my teacher, a uh, guy named Brian Pose, and I said, how do you learn how to do this better? Because you gotta learn how to act, Jimmy. And I was like, okay, great. How do I learn how to act? I don't know how to do that. Where do I go? And he goes, go to Columbia College. Just, they got a huge theater school. It's right here in Chicago. So great. So then the, I was in Columbia the very next semester and, and their, their theater program was awesome because it, it, it wasn't a real theory-based theater program. It was, yeah, you took classes, but you could, you, I ended up doing 10 plays in two years. Like wow. it just, I play after play after. So every night I was in a, like immediately and I did, first play I did was Waiting for Godot. Like, and I was in it with the other guy. I played Estragon and the guy that played Vladimir is a guy named Joe Sikora. He was also with it. Joe now is the lead of, he was, he's, he, he's, uh, he's Bobby from power who now has his own spinoff oh, wow. uh, back in Chicago. And I forget power. I forget what force that's the name of his show. He's, okay. he's, he's lead of force, but he was like third banana on power for years. Uh, but like, he was another theater. I mean, he was a Chicago kid that grew up wanting to be an actor. I mean, he was like in Rudy and a bit part <laughs> as a kid. So he knew it was something, but so I got into the, the my first play was with him. And so Columbia allowed you to do all these, you know, I, I did so many plays while I was also still doing improv late night. So Chicago had a great, like it, it definitely to answer your question, it was not something I grew up thinking was possible. But once I dove, dove in, Columbia College, in order to teach there, you had to be a working professional. So immediately I was, all my, professors they didn't really have professors it was really teachers i mean you didn't have to even have a co- you didn't even have to graduate from college to teach there you just had to be a working professional in the chicago theater world so there were dudes that were i mean the, the big theaters in in chicago were the goodman and steppenwolf and we had guys that were directing and acting there and other guys that were just in the trenches working through stuff and one of my best teachers was bashing his way through the low level chicago theater uh, and a guy named David Cromer, who then went on to win like Tony's and, and and he went to New York and he's a huge theater director. But like he got guys like that as they were right. coming up because the head of the theater department was Sheldon Patinkin, who was one of the original Second City founding guys. Oh, wow. He, he showed up and he was like he was the assistant to Paul Sills, the director. And, and so like he sat there and like when Paul Sills quit after directing the third show, he called, like quit in the middle of rehearsal through a chair through rehearsals of their like third show. And 
called back to Second City from the airport as he was leaving, going, I'm done, I'm going to Chicago, Sheldon, you're directing. Sheldon, oh, wow. Sheldon was one of those like brilliant kids who like had his master's from the University of Chicago when he was 19. <laughs> like, he was one of, so he just also was in charge of Alan Arkin, like, like that oh, wow. generation of Second City guy. Yeah. So he ran the second, the, 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 the Columbia College Theater Department. And, and so he geared up, like he, he had been through everything. Like he lived in New York, LA and Chicago. It was like, I, I want to be in Chicago. And he ran this huge theater department that was just geared towards doing it. Just like, we're just doing theater, right. doing improv, doing acting. And you learn by getting on stage. Right. And you learn the mo- a little bit of talking about it. And he was just this old beatnik that was awesome that was so encouraging to um college students and like he was old i mean obviously he i mean he felt ancient to me at that age but he was when i had him he was probably in his 50s maybe early 60s but he uh the way he kind of stayed young at heart was he just hung out with all these college students that were just trying to do it whatever that was whether start their own theater companies, get to Second City. And he recognized that all I wanted to do was that stuff. So he took a shine to me and was like, great. Like, I'll let, like, he'd give you the great notes. Like, you're dragging your feet. I can't hear you. You're mumbling. You know, the like the basic blocking and tackling of right. theater. Like, if I can't see you or hear you, it ain't crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> do it. And so... That's a long answer to that. I didn't know it was possible until I was 20. Uh, and, and then, you know, then dug in full, you know, wholeheartedly. Like, that was it. It, 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 it was not a, it was not a thing that I knew was possible until we did it. And then just dove in wholeheartedly. Um, so was there a turning point of when you went from theater and doing improv to actually going for like TV roles and movie roles and stuff, or was it always kind of on the table once you went to the theater? Yeah, there was, there was a turning point. It was, uh, I mean, there was a little bit of short film work. There was a little bit, I mean, I didn't, I went, I just kind of dug in and did the thing that I was doing mm-hmm. kind of all the time. And, and all of a sudden my head came up, like I just head down working at it. And I was, you know, auditioning for plays and then, but I was getting more work directing um uh sketch comedy and 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 coaching improv teams and and teaching than i was getting work as a as a, as a working actor i mean i was still improvising and i was right. still, you know kind of banging my way through like i got it you know as a director that you there if you can also act and perform they will shove you in as an understudy into what where if they need one like so it's like you kind of become a jack of all trades and, and i just and, decade decade and a half or longer just doing the theater work and then I did have a moment where I was like I'd like to do tv and film I would like to do this that the there's a the I I saw the glass ceiling in Chicago and and I looked at guys I I definitely I, I I had had the job I don't remember when the heck I decided to do it but it was it it wasn't like a lightning bolt moment, but there's just mm-hmm. this moment where I was like, hey, some guys around me here are getting on TV in Chicago and they're, they're getting movies in Chicago. I, I want to start pursuing this as well. And then it was before Chicago Fire had gotten there. It was like a lull in the Chicago TV and film right. stuff. Kate and I had a moment where I'm like, well, let's go to LA to do it. And as soon as like we gave up our lease and we were moving to LA, mm-hmm. also Chicago Fire hit. And then all of that TV work showed up like as we were on our way out. Like I <laughs> pilot of Chicago fire was my last audition in, in Chicago before we moved to LA. Uh, and then it's like, wow, there was a lot more work here mm-hmm. than when we left. So, uh, you know, at the time thinking it, it, I needed to be in LA to do it all. And, and in some cases that was true. Like it, it, it was easier to get the, the small little like five line parts and there's just, there's more of it. In, right. Uh, but you know, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. Um, and how long were you out in LA? About nine years. Nine years. And what was that experience like? So coming from kind of the middle America to going to the West Coast, uh, other than the weather being nicer, <laughs> what was it like? Yeah, I mean, 
initially very exciting. Um, and we, we, a lot of, it was a soft landing socially because I would say by the time we were leaving Chicago, a ton of people had left Chicago, um, of our friends. Right. And it, 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 say half the people that we knew had either moved to like Chicago, like LA or gone off to New York. Like it was going to be one or the other, unless, unless we wanted to like finish our time out in Chicago. That was really good. So socially it was a softer lane because Second City, you know, had a satellite. I think they still do satellite stage. Maybe they don't. I don't honestly remember. So many things have closed down. Theaters right. closed down all over. I'm not sure what's closed down at this point. Okay. We, uh, uh, you know, we had Second City to go perform at. We had I.O. West to go perform at. And, 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 and a lot of friends that were, and they immediately embraced us saying, yeah, here's the shows you can do. And it was, you know, it was, we were performing a couple times a week. Immediately, you know, could jump into the Armando show at I.O. while we were putting together what kind of team do we want to play with. But here you guys call them troops. Uh, everywhere else, we <laughs> they call them improv teams. So it it uh, it it, uh, uh, it they would jump on a team and, and started doing a sketch show at Second City Chicago, or I mean in L.A. with uh, Josh Funk, who was was a director at Second City when I first started. He was directing all the resident stages, and I was directing the touring company. So he then moved to L.A. So. Said, hey Josh, can I be in your your sketch show? He's like, yeah, man. So he we immediately started doing a sketch show there. So that it was a soft landing for the the, the theater stuff, uh, and then it was just like uh, the TV stuff. It's it's the the there are so many the numbers. It's so large there. Right. Something like it may be like at least ninety thousand. SAG actors there, it may be more plus all the non-SAG actors. Right. So a lot of what you find your at least I found myself having to do was try to figure out how do you differentiate yourself through. I mean, there's also skill levels are all, all over. There's some fantastic actors, but also a lot of actors that 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 can't do it at all. Right. And some of them are are in the union. Like it's oh raise your hand. <laughs> Some of the people that can't do it all don't know that they're not good. Right. Like, if you, you you're raising your hand, which which makes me think like you're working at it. Like, <laughs> no, there's the moment of like if you're working at it and trying and 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 you know and how do you how do you crack the nut of getting to what is authentic and honest about yourself is kind of the, the within you know text analysis of what what does the scene need. That's it's a lot of what acting is. So you're doing the work of trying to figure out how the heck do I do this stuff? And, and I don't know, there's a lot of people in LA, I mean, that are just, you have to fight through to show that you are someone that knows what they're doing, that they can actually do it. And, and that's a long, hard, frustrating process. And, and it's, I don't know, the, 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 I don't want to crap on LA. In the long run, it was, it was frustrating. I mean, there, there, I got, you know, I got, I don't know, 10 or 12 television shows under my belt and a few indie films and stuff like that but it was I think been there nine years and you know it's you know maybe a commercial a tv show and maybe an indie film a year you know sounds right. like a lot but it's not a lot of yeah it's not a lot of pay and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so, I guess that's I actually didn't know how to do it in LA and I'm not sure I still do know how to because there is a lot of there's a lot of development that has to happen. There's a lot of, and by development I mean the actual development process of mm -hmm. selling your script and, and having to get it go through so many different levels. I don't know. The, the law that's a long answer. Of it was frustrating in the long run. Yeah. Being, uh, well, I mean, and that's like the quintessential American dream part two, where you know you wanted to become an actor and so you moved to Hollywood and try to make the business and everything and then I know there's a lot been a lot more literature and stuff of talking about how hard it actually is over the past 20 years or so but I think sometimes even it, it astounds me because I've seen a lot of that literature I've read a lot of that literature and it says you know it's not just necessarily easy just because you want to do it and yet there's still 
hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people that moved to California just thinking, oh, as soon as I get there, they're going to see me and I'm going to shine. And I'm <laughs> and the and the real the thing that you're 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 the word you just said, they're going to see me. Mm-hmm. They're going to see that I'm going to do it. And they're who the hell is them? right? <laughs> who who is them? And there isn't. A, I mean, Alec Baldwin made the joke of the Showbiz Commission. They're gonna. Oh, we 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 see what you do, and now you're in. What like who the heck? <laughs> like who? It, it it. What is what does that mean that they're gonna see it? And and you know it. The, the, I mean, I, there are some friends of mine that showed up at ex- almost exactly the same time that I did, and the first year or two that we were all out there, we had similar lines of just like just grinding it through to just you know just battling to get an audition, going to just, just, just trying to gut through to get any tiny little part. And, and you know, some of us, that's this, all, all we ended up doing. Right? And some people, they got that one part that allowed the right them to see them, that mm-hmm. allowed them to be on the right show, that are allowed, to, and, it, and it started to work its way up. And household name is a little strong, but they are definitely in the public. I mean, you would recognize right. There's a lot of them. I mean, there's a few of them that, and I'm getting famous during the time. In nine years, a lot can happen in a year. Right. So when you see friends actually make it, it makes it feel like, oh, okay. Or at least get to a point where they've got a, a solid career, where they're going thing after thing after thing after thing, project after project. It seems possible. But, but for every one of them, I don't know how many people there are bashing away, trying to do it. And then I don't know how many people there are that don't even know how much work it is and aren't working at it. That aren't, I mean... You got to, in Chicago, you don't necessarily stay in class all the time to keep your chops up. You're doing right. plays, you know, and I, it, it, you are, whereas in New York and LA, you definitely, if you are not currently in a play or on a television show, you got to jump back into an acting class just to keep your muscles up. So you can spend a lot of time find a, finding the right acting school or teacher that isn't, you know, just there to, pontificate and be a guru but but find someone who's actually solid that like right help you stay sharp help you stay fresh help you stay alive in the work um that's a that's a tough i mean there's there's a lot of shysters there there's a lot of right. people washed out that then try to become teachers and there's also a lot of amazing acting teachers there like or there's a few like I, the ones that i found it's like oh i found Three that I was like, these are really useful to me. That, right, that, that. right. And then there, there were some. Wow, this is abusive. On the other side, <laughs> it's straight up abuse. Uh, like it's crazy. What, what it is? I mean, I, what the heck was your question? Like at this point, I, I will, Mike. I will like meander verbally on these things. No, no, I, I, I enjoy this. What do we talk about? Um, um, well, I think it's. I think it's, I think there's enough people that do listen to this podcast specifically that their dream is to become famous. And I think whatever that means to their industry or whatever. And I think it's one of those things. that's always a good reminder of that fame is something that's generally worked for every once in a while, someone might be lucky and it just come upon them. But most of the time it's opportunity meeting, um, you know, resilience and, um, well, I mean, fame, fame for one. I'm, I'm going to stop, you for, I'm gonna stop you for just a second. Cause it's going to clip. Um, and I'm going to send you the link um, in just a second. Right. Okay. So um, see you in just a minute. Right. I do. All right. So uh, the last thing that was hit off was the um, idea that. You mentioned the idea of fame. Mm-hmm. And that, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. The, the, and there's two different things. It's, or three different things, I think, which is, do you want to be, is, is the goal to be famous? is the goal to be an actor or is the goal to be a famous actor? And because you can get famous quick these days. And, <laughs> uh, but the idea of probably the, the, whatever the Warhol thing of everyone's 15 minutes, like right. probably it may be more doable now in terms of how, how famous can you get? How fast for, is it a sustainable thing? Um, I mean, there, there are people that are famous that I have no idea what the hell they do. <laughs> they actually contribute. Um, 
Uh, and I'm sure everyone can think of someone that 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 that, that exists. But then the, the sustainability of like, what is your day in, day out doing that job? So much of it is mainly cultivating social media or, or whatever the heck it is, stuff that I don't like. But it, but if your day, like my day, my favorite stuff is to eat, is to be making stuff, mm-hmm. is, but, but specifically some, whether it's having a blast, like last night doing a show at OKC Improv where, I mean, that's, that's not the job. That's, that's bowling night. I got to, you know, right. go play with Kendon and Kyle and Roger. And it was like, great, let's just go do this show. And there's no money there. That's just having a good time on a Friday night with right. friends uh, in front of an audience. That's not a career. Uh, that's fine. And with 20 people in the audience, you're not going to get famous real fast either. But that's just fun. But the, the, the sustainable stuff, uh, like for mine, it's like creating the stories. Am I, am I going to direct this movie? I'm going to write this movie. I'm going to try to be in this movie or be in this TV show or whatever this thing is. Or am I going to, you know, I have an audition due on Tuesday where I have to figure out what's the character breaking down all the acting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even doing an audition for me is fun. Like I'm like, Oh, I get to take this two pages and see if I, and I figure out how to make this thing come alive and turn it in on, uh, submit it to the casting director. And how many, t- you know, what am I doing? That, 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 that day in day out work, that's not that different from going on set going to go work, doing your homework, right. uh, acting. Now that's, that, that, that is the work of being an actor. Now, some people are famous actors that get to do that and are, are also, the fame just allows them to do it for more money. Right. Like the, the, the famous actors that are, work their asses off, like I can't, the, the amount of work it takes to be like, I have no concept of how hard it is to do what like the rock is doing where he's acting but like that dude's getting up at three o'clock in the morning to work out to do because he's figured out what it is that it takes for him to be Mm -hmm. and think what you will about him as an actor sometimes he's fine and sometimes he's an action hero but right he's telling the story i'm not gonna crap on he's whatever story he's trying to tell uh you know he's doing it and and the amount of effort that goes into that isn't there's not couch time for that guy right right the amount of effort that goes into a daniel day lewis doing something is mm-hmm. absolutely bonkers uh, i mean it, it i mean he works so hard at it it affects the rest of his life to the point that you could tell he every time he does a movie he then quits because i'm sure his wife is like what is happening right (laughs) that kind of stuff is is crazy but the idea of just going to go do it where it just you could tell when someone hasn't done the work that they need to do and they show up to set or they show up to a play and it's like you don't even know or they're even directing right they haven't done the 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 amount of script analysis that they need to do it's like wow you didn't figure out what the scene was about your movie's gonna suck like it's so much work it, it, but then again, so is anything. Like right. we talked about guys that 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 are landscapers for a living, really, where it's like those guys are out working at 105 degree heat right now, at least 12 hours a day. Like that's not easy. So it it it, it you have to look at it that way. It's like a job. It's not, it's it it feels you know. I, I don't I don't know who the people are that that think it's gonna be easy to go get. <laughs> it's a lot of work it's like the, the friends that i have that are famous there's a lot of work that has to be done right there there are you're at a wedding and you, you someone goes hey just get a selfie they go hang on and this happens and they have to depending on what their persona is out in the world they mm-hmm. spin their their starbucks cup around so that they're not, they're not promoting starbucks because that's not one whatever they're they, 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 oh shit, I got a Bud Light in my hand, but my commercial thing is from Michelob. I, I gotta put that down. They're, they're like, whatever they're presenting, they're not, you know, they're, they're all of a sudden being at a friend's wedding, all of a sudden the job shows up for a second. Right. That's hard. Like that to be a celebrity. And it's different celebrity versus, you know, some, the, the celebrity part of the job is a, is a tricky thing. Um, 
how, how are you going to do it? Like, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, but it, but it's not a, I don't remember what your question is. That seems to be the recurring theme here, Mike. Um, no, you, you, getting famous also, it's like, you know, go sleep with the right person and then say it and out loud or whatever the heck it is. And, and <laughs> boom, you can be famous real fast. How do you sustain it? Are you, are you enjoying your life? Right. Uh, that like you can go get on a reality show and you can be famous for a minute if you can get out, if you're pretty enough to, or whatever you're the thing it takes to get right. on a reality show. But if you don't have the skills, what's going to happen after that happens? Right. What are you going to do? Like what happens in a year? Like how do you sustain that? I don't know. So we're going to transition now. You, you've been in California and you moved to Oklahoma, which um, everybody understands that move. Uh, <laughs> so why why Oklahoma? I'm about to go have breakfast with 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 a few people that did exactly that. We, I didn't know in California, and 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 I uh, we know a few people. The people you want to know who understands it? Those of us that lived in California and then moved here, right? You know, I got a speaking of lawn care. You know, I had a dandelion problem, so I hired a guy to come in and, and deal with it. Then I can't like that becomes lethal. Well, he is a guy, he lived in California. And when he realized that we did, he gets it. <laughs> it, it it's, California is, it, people, I mean, you've lived in other places, <laughs> but it, it, what Oklahoma has going for it is, is a lot of things that people that have never left Oklahoma don't understand that, right. that, that it does have going for it. There's something to like, hey, people are friendly. Hey, you get a whole lot more bang for your buck. Like, like you don't, it, I mean, LA is three times as expensive for everything. Right. And, and, and the other side of it is, you know, people that have spent a lot of time in Oklahoma have a memory of the nineties, which is different than what it is now here. And just in terms of your highways. Right. And, and the infrastructure and the, you know, I went to four Thunder games, you know, over the winter and, and I'm going to 10 this year. I bought a partial season pass. Right. Like, like you have major league stuff going on here. And then the, the, the film rebate is really the answer to the question, which gotcha. is it's more affordable to make TV and film here. If you can, you know, find, you know, figure out what you're doing. And I'm making a, my current project is, is a sci-fi movie. Well, there's a really solid VFX studio here. this visual effects studio here that they've been doing they made like 12 uh visual effects movies in the last 10 years now a lot of it's all been you know for kids movies and stuff like that but that's a great way to learn your craft and do your trade Mm -hmm. and really build your thing up and you go in and they have they just built this like they're using the same technology just like the bargain basement version of it, but it works just as well as right. what they're making the Mandalorian with. Right. So I'm going to go make my space movie, my comedy space movie with these guys. And I, and, and because I'm doing it in Oklahoma, I am, I have to raise a far smaller amount of money to do it. Right. Okay. And also these guys are, they're skilled and they're also really f- fun to work with because they, they're Oklahomans. You know, they, they're, they're, there's a level of there's a level of like hardworking humility that they're working in, mm-hmm. and the name dropping crap goes. We're not wasting our time with the stuff that doesn't have to do with making the story. Right, right. Well, that's and and you know, initially we we, we moved here because there was a there's a studio here that that decided to make my wife's pilot. With a pilot, is just the first episode of a TV show that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully after you make the pilots, some, they, they want to continue to make the series. So the studio right. made the pilot and we watched how they made it. And it was great. Like, it was like the, the process was good. And I'd been enough on enough uh, network television shows and also indie films to see that like there's an enthusiasm on an indie film that can exist, but it's not always right. organized. And there's not, you don't always have all the people there. And then there's the, the network television show where you've got all the skilled laborers to work on it mm-hmm. um, but they don't sometimes they're all burned out they don't even realize they're working in show business that it, it, it everything becomes working in a coal mine well this thing had both there was enthusiasm and there was the, the enough skill that, that they right. it was the studio started by people that, that are from california that moved out here for the same reason 
Uh, and that was great. And, and it's like, this was fun and the rebates were happening. And we realized like, you can, you can go make stuff in, in Oklahoma. It's like, if you're yeah. getting a hotel business, it's still like what Wyatt Earp did. You ever seen Tombstone? Mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp was walks into that hotel and goes like, can I run that Pharaoh table? And you can do that here. Whereas in LA, it's like you're wa- it's like walking into Vegas trying to open a hotel. <laughs> How the hell are you gonna open a hotel in Vegas? You can't. Whereas here, it's like you can do it. it. It's you don't have that level of middle manager that's just there to say no and be afraid of stuff. Here, it's right. you got the guys that are making it and the guys that are gonna work for you to help you make it, and that's it. Um, so a couple things I just want to point out. First of all, I think Tombstone was required watching for every Oklahoma during the '90s, so that. If you don't, if you don't know. <laughs> Man, it's, it's, it's such a great movie. <laughs> um, and also, I always find the immigration between California and Oklahoma going either way always interesting because of the Dust Bowl. Um, a lot of Oklahomans um, literally went out to California. I mean, Grapes of Wrath and stuff, all that yeah, kind of thing. I'm a reverse Tom Joe. Right. Um, and my dad actually kind of has this opposite thing. He started off in California and then moved to Oklahoma and then moved back to California, moved back to Oklahoma. So it was kind of a weird thing on that lot now our time is unfortunately over we're gonna to have to definitely do this again because i definitely want to pick your brain on a whole lot more stuff that we only sure i, I mean i start working but you're gonna to have to hold my feet to the the your your questioning like fire like, oh no this is fun this is fun yeah. uh it was fun mike it's always i mean i like i like doing these things i mean i like you i don't know you that <laughs> or a friendly face when we got to the theater and you showed up to my barbecues you're like or at least one of them and and yeah. to have you so it's like you know friendly faces that are nice people that's whatever you're doing something interesting it seems like so anytime you want to have me let me you know call me back okay or start going to joe rogan and do three hours <laughs> you like oh yeah for I, I wouldn't be i wouldn't be opposed to that all right thank you so much to jimmy carlson for being my season three premiere guest i thoroughly love talking to Jimmy and we'll hopefully get to talk to his wife later on uh, in this season but next week we do have Lorette Lynn and Palace Johnson will be following that the week after that thank you for listening to Nobody's Nobody podcast remember that no matter who you are where you've been nobody's a nobody and that means you until next time